Your face is so stupid. I hate you, John Krasinski. I'll make you famous. And welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host, Joe Carnahan's bestie, Aaron Varola. Pew, pew! Smoking Aces is such an underrated film. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? It's recording day. Woo-hoo. Yeah, we're actually Sorry. recording on our like regular day. Our normal today, day, so yeah. It's kind of a weird yeah. feeling. We kind of got back on track, although it has felt like it's been a while since uh, since we've done this, but it hasn't. Right. But, uh, yeah, and so we're back on a regularly scheduled program. We are, and we're going to get started. You know, last episode, one of the questions we got, actually the last question that we uh, we talked about was from JRB, talking about uh, Bond versus Ethan Hunt, and we had a, a debate about that, but uh, big news came out of the world of James Bond, uh, I guess today, right, where Danny Boyle has dropped out of Bond, is it 26? Uh, I think it's 25. 25, 25, uh, 25 due to yeah. the all uh, always uh, exciting creative differences. Yeah, what a cop-out, and I'm very disappointed by that. Um, big fan of Danny Boyle's work, and I thought he would have brought – uh, you know, an interesting style to the franchise, but it was, you know, it was interesting because they had uh, Barbara Bro- Bro- Broccoli, 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 I think, whatever, and some of the producers and Daniel Craig uh, release a statement yes, together, which is sort of bizarre. Yeah, so that leaves like a big question mark. You know, who who's up for the task of taking on uh, Bond, and what does that mean for their production schedule? Yeah, I mean, were you disappointed um, because of the fact that they used creative differences as the reason, or just that Danny Boyle's out of? <laughs> it's, the I mean, is it, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, Dan, Danny Boyle, I think, would have been a great uh, addition to you know the directors that have uh, had their crack at Bond, and then the whole creative differences thing at this point is kind of like a cop out to me. I just don't, you know, I don't really understand what that means anymore, other than to say. We didn't like the direction that the director was going with the film, and he stuck to his guns. Therefore, we had to get rid of him. You know, and or we just did. They just there was a lot of or or maybe it's the style of which the studio is uh, managing. You know, the creative process, and uh, you know, Danny Boyle just doesn't fly with that. So you know, who who knows? It's like the uh, the common divorce. Uh, statement in rec- was it unrecon- irreconcilable differences? Irre- irreconcilable differences. <laughs> Ir- irreconcilable yeah. differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, which basically means they we don't like each other. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, <clears throat> it is kind of a cop, but I mean, really, what can they say? You know, I mean, they're not going to come out and at no. least not right now, anyway, and give this yeah, real it's... detailed explanation as to exactly why. Because who knows if part of those reasons involve you know people that are working on the film, you know, uh, yeah. casting things, who knows, um, the writers, a, I mean, you're not going to, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, right, really. Right, 
and it's been a relatively quiet, I'd say, pre-production. I, I feel like he's been Danny Boyle was probably announced like two, three months ago, maybe four right. months ago, and it's been it's been fairly quiet. So nothing really has been moving there. You know, nothing real, really public. Whereas like when Edgar Wright departed Ant Man, that was a big deal because he had been such a champion for the movie and you know in general and, well, yeah. and had shared some previous previs footage so um you know that kind of struck a little a little harder this is like okay fine uh but that you know again that begs the question who who's up for the uh who's up for the task i know who i wanted <laughs> and uh and he and he responded to my tweet yes. with a, a hell to the no um, and that was uh, Joe uh, Carnahan, um, director of Smoke and Aces, which I, again, as I said in the an- intro here, I think is such a grossly underrated movie and just a, uh, such a treat. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of tweeted out, hey, I'd, I'd love, you know, hot take. Here's a, I, I think Joe Carnahan would be great. And he oh, actually let me see if I could find his tweet real quick because I'd, I'd love. No, I actually I can't read this thing verbatim because it was right. Yeah. Uh, some cursing. He basically uh, said, though, you know, no. And then somebody asks him, "Why? Like, why?" And he basically says, "Like, is Idris Elba Bond? No, then, then no yeah. way or something." Yeah, like that's that. that's anyway. a damn. That's my reason right there. Right. And it's like, whoa, what a mic drop of a reason. Yeah. Um. So you know, folks out there who are commenting and and whatnot on Twitter. I mean, these people are reading. Um, a lot of the, the speculations and stuff like that flying around and they have their own opinions of it. So that was a really cool interaction today by uh, Mr. Joe Carnahan. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, it means a lot that he would take the time to respond to a, a tweet. But yeah, I mean, I think he would, I mean, his style is very different. I think it would be very cool to see uh, come to life. But yeah, kind of now I'm kind of like scratching my head with like a who, who else who else would be right for Bond? Well, this um, is sort of an interesting time, right? Because this movie is going to be the last Daniel Craig Bond right. film, right? Now, obviously, all of every James Bond is supposed to be the same person, right? We've we've had this discussion when it comes to other characters, you know, like Batman and whatnot, and how you know these are all essentially different actors, different takes on the role, but it's all basically the same person, right? right. So it's it. It's more of a stylistic thing, right? When you get a new Bond. Uh, and that's, you know, the new actor will usually determine, like, the direction that the the series is going to go in, right? Right. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe some they were people that don't feel comfortable having to step in and just want to be the person that has to kind of put this thing to bed now, you know, as opposed to being the one who's... I think you'll have a long list of people who would want to be the director of the Started, next movie, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And get to be a play a role in casting the next Bond and whatnot and kind of setting the tone for that. But here you're just sort of finishing things up. I don't know. I mean, it, here's a question, though. I mean, you're a big Bond fan, obviously, as we talked mm-hmm. about last episode. Uh, which is better than Mission Impossible. Yeah. So <laughs> what uh, is the director that vital, though? Like, is Bond historically has it been a director driven franchise or is it more a star driven franchise? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a damn good question. I would say sort of, it's sort of both. So like Martin Campbell, uh, who did 
GoldenEye, right? Mm-hmm. The, actually, you know, as I say this, I'm like, can I put my finger on on his style and was it duplicated when he took Bond on again? No, uh, maybe it doesn't matter. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe, it could be, yeah. Yeah, maybe they have such a, such a blueprint to which you know Bond films are supposed to be made. I mean, I think gen generally the movies feel uh, cohesive. I don't, you know, maybe they, yeah. I mean, they kind of feel cohesive, but it's the actor that's that's the thread between that, right? So, you know, Casino Royale, while amazing as it is. I can definitely see how Bond evolves into the, you know, the Bond that we get in Skyfall. But I will say that the, I don't know, I as I'm talking, I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. It, I don't, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. I don't think the directors matter at all. Well, like, for example, you said Martin Campbell, right? So Martin Campbell directed Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Yeah, but Which, those are two very, very different... It, right, so that's kind of my point. Like, So obviously, you have to assume that Martin Campbell wasn't the driving creative force right behind that shift. Something else was probably behind that shift, and he was the guy who was you know, there to kind of take the helm. You know, Sam Mendes was a... You know, he had a, a nice resume, you know, right. prior to directing his Bond films, um, but were they, like, significantly different than Casino Royale? Mm, no well stylistically it see that's it that's hard to compare because if i look at casino royale casino royale stands out to me above all bond films because of the brutality of the film right and i think i think it was it was a a a movie of its time in terms of like the shift in in terms of what what audiences expected to see from a spy thriller because of uh, jason bourne ultimately right i i think that thematic is carried through the films and that's been something that all of the other directors have taken although i do think that sam mendez um uh, played it a little differently in uh, Skyfall because he played homage to to some of the older Bond films. So there's a bit more fan service that was kind of brought there, you know, and 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 his style uh, of you know bringing in some of that older that older Bond vibe, um, like the Sean Connery stuff. And and Casino Royale is very different from that. There is not there is actually none of that um, nostalgia built into um into that film and i think it's it and the same with quantum of solace i mean although quantum of solace is completely blurred to me i might as well have been like stoned and and totally high to see it because i just don't remember it and i've seen it like three times so that says a lot about how meaningful it is to me but you know i also feel like we get a little bit of that that nostalgia in um inspector although specter was just kind of like a, a mishmash it's not a not a right. not the best Bond film, but um, but yeah. So I no, I, I wonder. I, I wonder if that that was essentially the, the the crux of their quote unquote creative differences is that you know Sam, uh, Danny Boyle wanted to put a particular style or stamp on his Bond films, and you know the the powers that be are just like nah, that we've got a formula, and that's what audiences are gravitating towards. And if that doesn't fit, then you know 
screw you. Yeah, I mean, I I found it interesting when Danny Boyle was announced as doing a Bond film because I, like I said earlier, like I never really thought of Bond as a director-driven thing. And uh, Danny Boyle, well, I mean, he I don't even want to say he has like a style. I mean, his his movies have been all over the place, kind of. But it it was interesting though to see a guy who's clearly a creator you know, a creator-driven type of director yeah. uh, wanting to jump into that franchise. But I'm wondering now, like, if, you know, a lot of people are trying to speculate over who the director would be, and I'm like, you know what? They probably wind up just bringing in sort of a professional director, like a Martin Campbell type, you know, a guy yeah. that's got a long resume but never anything that really stood out, you know, right. too dramatically. A guy who can just get the job done, and, uh, you know, he'll follow the formula, and, you know... D- He'll probably deliver, you know, a pretty good movie, uh, maybe even a really good movie. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and I'm, I don't mean literally Martin Campbell, although who knows? You know, they may do that, but that type of a director, like a, just a professional guy who's not going to ruffle feathers, who's going to step in and just kind of direct the movie and get it done. And, and then yeah. you start maybe playing around and experimenting with the next phase of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's very similar to the way that the MCU, you know, sort of has has blueprinted itself you know a lot of these directors are sort of not big name you know artsy type folks um although i'd say some some up until maybe like james gunn is probably one of the only ones that that had a very distinct style about him and that's probably why his films felt so different from the rest of the mcu but for the most part uh you know john favreau um, I'd say it was a pretty straight shooter, although I think uh, recently has kind of stepped into him his his own um, as a director and, and is, is definitely sort of experimenting with his own style. Kenneth Branagh, I think for the first the first uh, couple of films, they I think they relied heavily on on the styled uh, folks like when it matters. So when kicking things off. Uh, so Kenneth Branagh has a very particular style. Yeah, although I didn't really feel, to be honest with you, I didn't feel his style in Thor. I, I, I mean, I felt like, well, so for me, the treatment of royalty in Thor is, it, it was something that I, I felt like is very Kenneth Brown. I don't know why I felt that maybe it's well, weird. Well, that British. part was a little bit, but I, I just felt like, you know, Thor, it could be, yeah. Thor, <laughs> Thor was so much of a, like a fish out of water story and so much of it took place like here. Yeah, that I I was like, wow. After all that, like I I kind of it wasn't yeah. exactly like I didn't say, wow, this is yeah, Kenneth Branagh is all over this. This is very like Shakespearean, you know, right? Because that was his thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about it, I think the only one that really kind of stands out is is definitely James Gunn. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why Edgar Wright didn't really work in the Marvel formulas because he wanted to push the envelope, and that's not ultimately what what they're looking for. I mean, like, no offense to Scott Dickerson, but like Scott Derrickson. Yeah, what Derrickson? Yeah. Never heard of you before. Like, not not. I couldn't really put my finger on what you what he's done before in the past. So, well, there's guys. Bad. I mean, like the thing with Edgar Wright though was that you know his thing. Like, he was developing Ant Man before, like I think even before there was like an MCU, right? Before. Like, I mean, that was. Um, or maybe yeah. right at the beginning, like that yeah. was one of his pet projects, and he was like, "Really, Ant Man? All right, you know, whatever." And he pushed for that, and pushed for it, and pushed for it. And then when the MCU became such a big deal, it was like, "Well, here, of course, Edgar Wright's going to direct our Ant Man movie." Yeah. And yeah. that was kind of just really—I mean, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan, so for me, it was like a little bit of the wind came out of my sails when when they announced that he was parting 
uh, over those, again, those creative differences. And it was like, oh, man, you know, he, I was really looking forward to, you know, Ant-Man being this very Edgar Wright type of movie that was going to take place in this MCU and it would be different. And and I guess the, the finished product of what we got with Ant-Man was still something that sort of, it was a little different, I guess. But it wasn't what uh, I. And none of us will ever know what the the no. full vision was supposed to be with with Edgar Wright's version. Yeah. But um, I was really hoping that that was going to be the beginning of Marvel sort of going more creator driven, and we were going to get like an Edgar Wright movie dropped in, and and uh, yeah, and it, who knows what else, you know? From it's there. definitely a shame. I think uh, I think if it were now, I think there would have been a bit more room to to put in an Edgar Wright Ant-Man film. I mean, Ryan Coogler did Black Panther and his style is all over that film. Right. You know, the Russos have developed a style and that, that, that style is all over their, their films. And when you say developed, it's interesting because they obviously not being film directors. Yeah. They're really, TV guys. At this point, they, they didn't have like a style when they yeah. came into this thing. And now, Obviously, they do. So you know, yeah, Joss Whedon. That's another. That's another. Yeah. Uh, they're a good example of someone who's got a a sort of directorial style. Yeah, that when applied to a particular film, it has its you know has a great uh, great opportunity to do well, and then also a great opportunity to kind of flop. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Justice League. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a, again. Yeah, 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 it always comes up. It always, it comes, always comes up, and it's it's never applicable, almost because it's just like it's such a bizarre. I know it's just like that redheaded stepchild that you just want to point at and make fun of. But um, okay, so I think we've talked enough about this. Um, Before we get into though TV, yeah, uh, we are yeah. going to talk about because the fall TV schedule is about to kick off in a little while anyway um but i know you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, kelly marie tran news yeah so um first off as a as a star wars fan a diehard star wars fan i just want to extend my extreme gratitude to kelly marie tran i know she's not listening to this but she's she is a joy to the franchise and and I'm so glad that that she was able to bring the character Rose to life in The Last Jedi. And, you know, she today released a, an op ed in The New York Times uh, sort of addressing some of the some of her decisions, I guess, to get off of social media and where that came from because of the sort of fan backlash to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, um, some of which I read, which was just absolutely abhorrent and disgusting. And I couldn't believe that as a, as, as a human being that people were saying this to one another, although this is the world that we live in today. And I want to commend her for stepping out and, you know, sort of shedding light on her struggles as an actress and also her commitment to, you know, making sure that she is uh, a catalyst for change and a catalyst for you know, bringing, continuing to bring, you know, new characters that have strong representation beyond just what we're typically used to looking at uh, to life. So um, that, that, you know, for me, that means a lot. I, I totally hear and understand where she's coming from. And I think it takes a lot of courage for her to get out there and talk about, you know, her personal 
her personal struggle and some of the some of her doubts and insecurities as it relates to being an Asian woman in the business. And, you know, to all the haters out there, you know, you, you're not really Star Wars fans. Um, and in fact, if, if you were someone that, um, you know, was launching those kinds of, of hateful, spiteful words to her, you're, you're not a human being. You're, you're just a monster and you're actually less than that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of her. And um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, her continued success as an actress, as well as, you know, her continued success as a as a, uh, a beloved Star Wars character. Yeah. I mean, as a fan of humanity and decency, um, I w- yeah, I like to uh, I mean, it's unfortunate that this conversation and, and what she wrote had to even happen in 2018. But yeah, I mean, it, it w- the words were great. And, um, you know, I'm, I've become an even bigger admirer of hers now. Uh, I was a fan of the character in the movie. Obviously I I really loved the last Jedi and uh, you know, it, there's a segment of the population that, that dislikes the last Jedi for reasons having nothing to do with cinema. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. you see the worst of that in what happened here with her on social media. And, you know, it's just great. I mean, everybody should read it. Everybody should understand it and understand that, you know, we are all humans, but we all don't walk in the same shoes. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you do have to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes to understand where they're coming from. And, and her words were really powerful. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting really hard for her and for that character. So I, I hope that, uh, I hope there's plenty of that character in the next star Wars episode. Um, because I think that uh, it would be a, a great statement, and um, yeah, I just everybody—if you haven't read it, go out. It's all over you mm-hmm. know, social media. So by the time you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure that I hope you everybody's <laughs> probably read it already, and hopefully most people have understood it and and had the same positive reaction to it that we had. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who didn't, well, you know, I don't even know. I mean, the people that that were responsible for that type of stuff. I, I can't even, I, you know, I, I try to wrap my head around it and, and I get it. And, you know, hate is a very, you know, can be a unifier. And there's a lot of miserable people out there who mm-hmm. in the age of social media where you don't actually have to look somebody in the eyes and, and say things to them. You know, yep. it's really easy to to do that. And then it's easy to gang up because if you're having a bad day, just jump on a train that's, you know, making somebody else's life miserable. And, you know, because people are celebrities, um, I think people don't really look at them as real, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they are, and yeah. it's happening more and more, and it's it's really kind of disgraceful, and it's not even a fandom thing. I know people have tried to make this about like fandoms. I mean, and that's it. Fandom has become a vessel for some of this, but this is something that's a societal yeah. thing. I mean, it's happening everywhere, and and it's just uh, something that we need to be more aware of. Yeah, no, I I agree 100. percent I mean, I know we talked uh, you know a bit about <clears throat> Ruby Rose being cast as Batwoman, right. and she also had to get off of social media because of um, comments and and um, things being launched at her uh, on social media. So it's like, come on. You well, know, it's become I, a thing now. It's almost yeah. like you're waiting for after some casting announcement or after some role, you know, involving, you know, you're just waiting. It was like, okay, well, when's the, you know, the, uh, when's the gang going to come and try to take, knock right. this person now off social media? Like, you can almost see it coming a mile away sometimes. Yeah. 
And it's, you know, it, it really is a shame. And to your point about, you know, people kind of like grouping it into this idea of fandom, you know, every every fandom, be it DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever your favorite, you know, thing is, there are these pocket communities out there that will launch into their pitchforks and and torches and look to really bring people down. And it's quite disgusting. And and I think from an artistic perspective, it's it's just such a it's such a shame because these people are creators and these people have dedicated their lives to do something to give themselves to mass audiences and it it sucks because for for them i understand you know it's it's an old it's a when that becomes the loudest voice you hear it is certainly a sign of rejection as if you've done something wrong and that's totally not the case unfortunately these people just you know this toxic group of people don't have anything better to do with themselves than to spend you know a uh, number you know a, a number of hours just crafting and and rallying these like haters to launch these kinds of attacks at people so you know um you, those folks i know and i know we don't have any of those people as listeners because if they did i'd tell you right now unfollow our show and please go away um but um you know we need to stand together as as fans and as lovers and as you know uh, consumers of of art you know be that film be that music whatever your tastes are um you know we need to champion those people that are giving themselves to us because it it it's, it takes a lot of courage to get out there and put yourselves out there i mean uh, i think one of the number one fears in in the world is like getting up and you know like giving a speech um, because it has to do with your self-esteem and it has to do with being critiqued by your peers and, and folks yeah. around you. And it's a these people are doing moment. this, you know, you know, these people are doing this every day for you. Um, they're giving themselves if it, you know, if it's a, a painting, if it's a piece of music, it's, if it's a show or, or a movie, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of themselves being poured into that and, uh, you don't have to like it, but you also don't have to be a piece of crap and, and go after these people for something that you yourself don't like so maybe you should just do some soul searching and figure it out for yourself yeah, well yeah that's a big yeah that's not happening in this case and that's yeah. i think what i was saying before is that yeah the darkness that's in you does not need to, that's what needs to be fixed mm-hmm. not casting decisions and you know what i will uh be more than happy to give anyone an attitude adjustment <laughs> So if you, you got a problem following our John Cena theme, from that's that's right. Episode. I'll play the theme song in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's talk some TV. We haven't spoken about a lot of television. No, we haven't. Way back, but um, I mean, so we started the show in May, right. which was right at the tail end of you know the TV season, and and here we are coming full circle about to round third. And uh, let's talk. Let's let's set it up. Let's do it. So I was looking at the um, the full premiere uh, schedule, and I realized something about myself. Uh, I realized that most of the shows that I watch are actually off. They're they're shows that don't debut in the fall. <laughs> I tend to watch a lot of shows that are like summer shows or like you know late winter shows uh, for whatever reason. Probably because I watch like a lot of more like genre shows. And uh, those shows tend to not debut in the fall, like with all the stiff competition. Uh, aside from like the CW stuff, which I watch now mostly out of habit, 
more so than actual enjoyment. Um, although I am kind of excited about this run with the the whole Batwoman thing happening, so that I got I'm sort of rejuvenated now and re excited again about uh, this DCCW stuff. But like I'm looking at the schedule here and like The Gifted, that's a show that I enjoyed the first season, so I'll be watching that. Um, and one show that's not at all like a geek show, uh, it's probably the only I guess. I don't know what you'd call it, like mainstream, whatever network show that I watched last season, mm-hmm. um, or at least stuck with, and that's The Good Doctor. So with um, Freddie Highmore. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. I'm a I was a big fan of Bates Motel, so I watched. That's normally The Good Doctor is not a show that it would be on my radar at all, but because of him, I it, I decided to watch the first episode, and I really liked it, and I wound up enjoying the entire first season. Um, I thought it was a cool take on that type of like hospital drama. Uh, the only other hospital show I'd ever really watched and invested in was Scrubs, which was not at all a hospital drama. So that was the one show that I watched and that's going to be back because that was a, that was pretty successful in its first season. And then there's a uh, Mayans MC. <clears throat> ah, yes. Which premieres September 4th, which is the, I guess the follow up to sons of anarchy. Is it a prequel? It's no. So originally they had, I think it was intended. Well, originally they were going to try to do a prequel of the first nine. And that didn't happen for whatever reason. And then Mayans, I think started out as a prequel, but from what I understand, I mean, the, the description I saw is that this is a post Jax Teller world that this Mm. show is taking place in. So I I don't think it is a prequel. Um, I, and from the first, TV spots that I saw um, this weekend, it it just looks kind of very Sons of Anarchy. So I'm going to watch. I'll give it a shot. I was a you know big Sons of Anarchy fan, so I'll give the show a chance. I just my only hope is that it it's not Sons of Anarchy with the Mayans. Like I'd like it to have a little you know stand on its own a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and and I wonder if if we'll get some because there's only a couple of characters from the original. Uh, Sons of Anarchy crew that made it out of uh, of their show. So, like Chibs, Chibs is still around. Yes, one of my favorite characters. Yep. So, so are yeah, you I'm, I'm uh, you're going to be watching one. Mayans? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so I'm 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 up on that one. What about the Purge? It's like a no. mini. It's like a. I guess they're calling it like a. a a micro series or whatever on USA yeah, Network based on the movies. So that's a funny thing. So I'm I'm like you. I kind of just watch most of the CW stuff, and that usually eats up a lot of my time. And and The Walking Dead, um, which will debut sometime in October, shortly after Comic Con, typically uh, New York Comic Con. That is. Uh, but the one you know, I've talked about this show ad nauseum uh, on Twitter. But This Is Us is my show, man. That is that is my show. And, and for those of you guys listening or folks, guys, girls, whoever, it is one of the best, if not one of, I'd say, nah, it's one of the best shows out there uh, today. And uh, I would just say grab your grab your tissue boxes because every, for some reason, every episode is a tearjerker. Um, and then uh, I get pulled into Grey's Anatomy, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of what I was thinking when I said I'm not usually a fan of hospital shows. Yeah. Oh, God. 
But I hear this is the final season. I think every season for the last five has been the final oh, season. God, right? but I hope this is the final season because I'm kind of tired of it. Has <laughs> anybody like, left like, on that? Show? I mean, I know I. I guess well, I watched it for, in the very beginning, but uh, like a little bit. But uh, is anybody left on that show? Yeah, yeah. Karev is still around. Bailey's still there. Owen is still there. Now, obviously, Meredith Gray is still there. Um, yeah, I just got pulled in by my wife and i've uh, been sticking it out although I was, is that the like... story that you you're going with <laughs> i know i have no excuse because for like the past three seasons i'm like i'm done with the show i'm not watching anymore and then of course i'm like oh grease is on thursday gotta watch it oh, shonda time um <laughs> show... <laughs> pretend uh, that never happened all right seriously just strike that from the record no and then other than that uh they're, they're really yeah, there really isn't anything else uh, that I'm interested in watching. I kind of, you know, I don't know. I I have got my guilty pleasures. Like, I still watch MTV reality shows. Like, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, which is actually on the day that this airs, is the um, uh, Jersey Shore Season 2. Uh, Jersey Fake. Kate, I don't know what it is. I watched, but, yeah. I mean, I watched that at Jersey Shore in whatever version it's in is one of the yeah, best sitcoms on television. I watch it as a sitcom. I don't watch it as a reality like show. Reality show, yeah. It's yeah. some good stuff. But yeah, no, I mean, other than that, I don't really give myself, unless someone is like, oh my God, this is such an amazing show. Like I typically kind of go back to the things I'm used to watching and or it has to really pique my interest to uh, – for me to kind of tune in because at the, at the moment, like this EW stuff kind of takes up a lot of time. You know, you've got your right Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows and, um, Monday and my, well, I'm skipping Mondays, man. <laughs> Skip. Okay. <laughs> you know, who's on Mondays. Yeah. Uh, she better get her act together. Uh, but I tell you what though, if they do bring Superman back, uh, which I heard, I heard he's supposed to make some, some more appearances. I will watch it. Cause that stuff, uh, when they had Superman was, was really, yes, really it was. Good. I, I really enjoyed that's kind of an underrated sort of under the radar version of Superman actually, but so good. And then that could have very easily been a disaster and it wasn't, it was really no. good. Yeah, it was. And the fact that first of all, that kid, well, he's not even a kid anymore. No, I, I feel like he's a kid cause I, it just reminds me of how old I am, but I'm like, man, that's a kid from uh road to perdition. Right. Um, which like blows my mind, and and he was on like wasn't he on like Teen Wolf on MTV? Yes, something like that. Yep. Yeah, so, so, uh, what's his name like Taylor Hotch, Hockner something. or something like Hock- that. Or yeah, something like that. that. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, he he's makes, really he plays good. Superman. Yes. Yep. And the character was like it wasn't. It was Superman. Like it wasn't like uh, you know they were dancing around anything or trying to hide anything and he was a focal point and it, it worked like trying to explain how they exist in the same universe but like you know superman's not like everywhere yeah you know, all of that worked yeah it was a, that was really good stuff and then it just went yeah i mean i'm looking through this schedule here another show i i actually do watch that debuts in the fall is shameless which I'm very excited about ah uh, yeah season. not seen an episode of that you should probably check that out. I'm just for William H Macy alone, who's brilliant in everything he does. Basically, um, just for the acting, mm. uh, take it. I you know you can binge that pretty easily now. So yeah, yeah, I'd recommend that. Are you not excited about the reboot of Charmed? 
Uh, Which I didn't even know was a thing until I'm looking at this schedule. Yeah, right I'm now. like, what? No. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that they were. And I am I stupid? Like, did they have MacGyver? Well, like, MacGyver's been a thing for a while. Like really? that was they had. They're bringing back Magnum PI for this what? fall season. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like leave the '80s alone. No, forget to leave the. They're bringing back Murphy Brown too. Oh my god. No. And snatch. This has to be This has to be a freaking a spin-off of of the was it Guy Ritchie? No. Yeah. Yeah, it's Guy yeah. Ritchie, right? It's not Matthew yeah. Vaughn. So no. those yeah. guys are interchangeable. Oh, and then Iron Fist. Right. So that was the next thing I was gonna talk about because I got into that. I'm looking at Iron Fist. So yeah, Iron Fist and you know you know, obviously, Iron Fist was not the most well received of the Marvel Netflix shows, and you know, while I I was not a huge fan, I mean, there were, I didn't think it was as terrible as a lot of people did. It's certainly not very good. But the one thing I completely detested was the fight scenes. Yeah, um, and and he, you know, he wasn't convincing to me at all, not as an actor or as a fighter. <laughs> and you know, as somebody that's done martial arts for a while. Like, that really kind of bugged me. Because the fight stuff in Daredevil was awesome. And it's like, well, why didn't they just get... Like, do that. Like, how do you how do you nail the fight sequences in Daredevil and the movie yeah. that's about the martial artist? It's like the fight scenes are the it worst thing so in it. so slow. And, yeah. you know, it's funny because a part of me was like... You know, because every time we see him, like, at the dojo or his, like, training studio with Colleen, he's, like, doing these slow... Yeah, movements, and I'm like, oh, maybe he's like, maybe what they teach you in Kung Lun is actually Tai Chi, and he's just like yeah, giving us a medium, yeah. medium speed version of that. But no, it was just it was bad, and the stunt coordination was bad, and I think I overlooked some of that stuff because they, you know, I I saw that they kind of upped the ante a little bit on the defenders, right? Um, so I was like, oh, all right, maybe it'll get better. The thing that irritated me the most about that show, so I really enjoyed the first maybe couple of episodes in that um, in that first season, and then his like naivete got irritating. Like yes. the way that they created that character as like basically a twelve year old kid trapped in a grown man's body, and just like oh they're my friends, like we grew up together, like blah blah, like no dude. Um, that got on my nerves and, um, there wasn't enough action. There wasn't enough movement. It wasn't until like the last two episodes when, uh, when he fights his, uh, his brother Davos, um, where I thought, Oh, uh, okay, this is some, some really good stuff. And, um, and what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy that was part of the hand, Puerto Rican dude, I forgot his name. Starts with a K maybe. I don't know. Kabuki, Kabucho. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Kambucha. I don't know what his name is. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so he, he dies and then he ends up popping back up in the Defenders. So yeah, I mean, but in looking at the trailer for season two, I'm 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 excited. Like I even I you know, I, I commented about this. I'm like, you know, call me a sucker. Uh but I'm gonna I'm signing up for season two because it looks a lot better. That the fight scenes look better. By the way, Colleen Wing is kicking ass left and right. I don't even know that actress's name, but Jessica damn, she's Henwick. 
She is so good. Is she a martial artist? She, I mean, she can sell it. She popped up in Luke Cage. I was just, I put that on pause for a little bit. Uh, but I was watching some of that last night and, um, man, she's good. So you give her, give us a little bit more of her and tighten up those fight scenes and, and, you know, hopefully he moves on from being, you know, stupid little kid in a grown man's body and, uh, and hopefully we'll get, you know, an improvement. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually liked the the trailer or whatever that we saw. And it looks like they're even teasing like him getting his actual like costume. Like the mask, which, yeah. Yeah, which I think is needed. Yeah, because then you can throw a real stunt man. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why they didn't think of that to begin with. But yeah, I mean I, I was hoping that, you know, Iron Fist was gonna be this like hardcore like martial arts type show, which kind of what it should have been and it's funny when you mentioned that um it was like he was doing like tai chi movements and stuff in season one because i i was actually going to say that the the slow the slowness of the fight sequences in uh in season one reminded me of and i don't this is a real deep cut here but i don't know if you remember or even knew that it this existed the the reboot or the revamped kung fu they did a show on syndication in the i guess the 80s called kung fu the legend continues yeah with um with david carradine and david carradine who is a tai chi practitioner um, was he was moving in like it literally was like slow motion when he was fighting in that show and that's what it the fight stuff reminded me of in um in iron fist season one yeah yeah, it was just not not compelling, not fun. Yeah, not even deliberate. No. Which, which and I say that, and I say, I say that deliberately. Um, but you know, it just kind of felt like he was just flailing his arms around in a slow manner. Yes. Um, yeah. It you was, know what I mean? And I don't like know if panic. it was supposed to be like that was their attempt at showing like this graceful sort of nonchalant power, but it, but it just didn't work that way. Graceful at all? No, I mean, it was awkward it, and like a guy trying to remember like the steps. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, look, look. If Keanu Reeves can make you believe um, that he is a martial artist, then uh, then anyone can, honestly. And that's not to knock Keanu Reeves, but and then actually, but he was working with a like big time. Was it Wu Ping? Uh, He's worked with a lot of great stunt coordinators. Yeah, stunt coordinators, but for the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some good stuff there, man. Like, and I know that this movie gets a lot of of crap, but Matrix Reloaded, um, that Chateau fight scene, to me, is like, like, so, I used to watch that scene over and over and over and over and over again, because it's so good. Uh, the fight coordination and stunt coordination, all that is is really good. And in fact, one of the one of the characters that he fights in that scene, here's a bit of trivia, is the main character in the man from the man of Tai Chi or something. So, what's that movie called? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, that that's an interesting movie to watch too. The, yeah, the man from Tai Chi. So that's uh, that's our quick TV wrap up. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, interesting, we did get a couple of questions um, that do revolve around television. So we might as well get into those before we uh, move on to anything. So Tavo, mm-hmm. and I got to thank Tavo because he pointed out that not only did we forget 
that I think it was Tavo. Was it Tavo that pointed out that we forgot to, that Wonder Woman eighty four is coming out this year? Or was that Brent? It was. Uh, oh, I I want to say it was was Tavo. But yeah. I'm... Well, either way, who you know, we somehow not only did I forget that. Oh wait, I the, think it was Brent. I think it was Brent. It, it might have been. Yeah. So not only did I forget that uh, in during the recording of the episode that Shazam was coming out next year, which we <laughs> did realize before we finished, but we both completely forgot that Wonder Woman 84 yeah. is coming out next year, and that's a bad job by us. Yeah, seriously. So, so uh, sorry, guys. Yeah. So to, to everybody that pointed that out, thank you. But Tavo's question is, since Netflix renewed Glow for a third season... What would you like to see happen in the new season? Also, would you like to see other wrestlers make cameos? Chavo Guerrero's cameo was awesome. So um, Chavo also continuing his mission to get as much wrestling conversation into each episode <laughs> from the Fanboy Garage as possible. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so did you wait, have, Did you finish that season? Oh, yeah. I, I, I binge. Glow is one yeah. of those shows that I, I watch all in one shot. Gobble basically. that. Gobble yeah. it up. Yeah. Uh like Thanksgiving dinner. It's so good. Yeah, no, no. I I um what would I like to see coming out of of Glow? So so if there was one critique I had of it of uh, season 2 was I wanted more of that conflict between Liberty Bell and and Zoya. Um like and and just in those two, those two characters in real life because when they have it out when she's in the hospital after she breaks her ankle, um they kind of reconcile really quick, and I was like, "Damn, I wanted that to stretch out a little bit longer, and then to really, really dig into it." Um, but uh, there were some interesting, interesting things laid out, um, specifically about Bash, and I'm I'm interested to see where that goes because there were some yes, some very dark uh, layers that were were sort of um, for you know foreshadowed in that and um i do want to see where that goes uh you know i'm interested to see how the show translates to the las vegas crowd and the other thing too about this is that you know for the show being renewed in the third season it's actually gotten more airtime than the original glow um the actual glow lady wrestlers got so and they are pulling quite a lot from um, from their stories. So I would, you know, first of all, I would recommend that anyone who hasn't already, you know, go watch the glow documentary, which is just fascinating. That it, not only sad. is it amazing and I, yeah, I dare you to not to cry, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, intense. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where, where they, where they take the characters and, and, um, and you know, the kinds of syndic I don't want to say syndication is the wrong word, but like you know the the, the pop ups that these characters as they continue to you know build up their notoriety, if they start to intersect with like you know traditional eighties stuff, like they pop up in like the Facts of Life or something. Who knows? That would be that needs to happen. In season, right, they need to cool? pop up on the Facts of Life specifically in season three. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, um, they need to show up on Night Rider. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, all of that has to happen. Um. Yeah. You know, in terms of having other wrestlers come on the show, yeah, I think that'd be cool. I also wonder because um, I know that some of the ladies, the original um, uh, Glow ladies, are, are actually producers of the show. So I'd like to see some of them uh, pop up as well, and some of the the, the WWE um, superstars uh, in the women's uh, division. I'd love to see them pop up. Um, I do know though, 
just a little inside baseball, uh, that WWE was not asked to help with the show. So I just don't know where that goes. No, and, and I wouldn't expect them to. But I mean, okay. I so for me, you know, I didn't know where they were going to go in season two. Like I was like, I, I kind of looked at it like, all right, well, they kind of told their story in season one. So I was really interested to see what season two was going to be. And I was completely blown away with just how much depth they added to these characters. Like, I care about each and every one of these characters. More so or just as much as, like, any of my other, like, favorite shows on TV. Like, I'm completely invested in all of these characters. I think every one of them is fleshed out and and really good. So that was the one thing that impressed me the most about season two. Far as season three, so where they left off in season two, like they're actually heading out to Vegas now to the Riviera, which is basically where the actual glow series took place, right? So everything that's happened up to this point in the show has been a, you know, completely sort of fictitious version of the real glow. It's going to be interesting to see now whether they follow, and they're not on television at this point either. So in the in the actual in the Netflix Glow series, which is different from reality as well. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they. I'm assuming they'll eventually get back on television. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to be real interesting is, and I wonder if they're going to do this because in in real life, um, the real David McLean, who was the actual like creator of Glow, he left after I think the second season and started a different promotion called the powerful women of wrestling, which for some reason used the acronym POW. not sure how you get POW out of powerful women of wrestling, but anyway, he did. And it was a more, it was presented as more of a, I guess more serious than glow, you know, it was more wrestling driven, although it mm. still had, and you'd actually used a lot of the, the glow, the former glow women who went with him and he just renamed them. So it'll be interesting to see if they enter, you know, incorporate something like that into the storyline at some point where something happens. And because, you know, they have put a heavy emphasis in the last first two seasons on how they're actually really, you know, want to get better as wrestlers. Right. So I'm wondering if that eventually leads to uh, something where, like, there's a rift and some split happens and maybe, you know, somebody goes and starts another, a different person where that's more Uh, wrestling driven. Who knows? I mean, I'm just picking storylines out of, like, real life that actually happened because they, while they're not following exactly along with the way Glow really was, you never know. They are kind of cherry picking certain things Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. And as the seasons go on, they are going to have to start, you know, they're going to have to start venturing out a little bit. So I'm wondering if something that I think would be an interesting way to go. I don't know if necessarily in season three, but at some point down the line. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting take um, because to your point, it just totally mirrors real life. And, um, you know, it adds it adds an interesting dynamic to. to that relationship because right now they're all like sisters are all in it together so we gotta we need some conflict you know yes. I, think, I think that'd be interesting and so, as cool. far as uh wrestler cameos i mean chavo guerrero's cameo was there because um he actually was one of the the trainers like they brought him in to train right the women right. On, on actually how to wrestle along with um john hennigan who's johnny impact right now and johnny mundo depending on which show you watch him on um he was john uh John Morrison and WWE. So they, they were trainers and whatnot. So that's where his cameos came in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be fun. I, I don't know how many, um, 
don't know how many names like are out there that would you know necessarily want to jump in and have a cameo. I mean, nobody from WWE is going to do it, and no. you know. But uh, you never know. I, I don't know if uh, nobody jumps out at me. But like you said, it would be interesting if some of the um, they started to incorporate some of the actual original Glow uh, women yeah. to get some cameos here and there. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So the other the other question that was TV related was from JRB, who says, Jack Ryan, are you in or are you out? And what TV show that has been announced and has not come out yet are you most excited for, streaming platform or not? His is Wheel of Time. Hmm. So Jack Ryan, I'm out um, because I just... Just not interested. <laughs> it's a I don't. Good reason, I don't I even know why. It's just. Uh, I mean, this is the same character that was a clear and present danger, right? That's Jack Ryan. It yeah, from yeah, uh, like, Hunt for Red October, Patriot right, Games, clear and that. present yeah, danger. Yeah. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is. I just most recently it was was it Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit? That the one with Chris Pine? Was that Shadow yeah, Recruit? That was yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, he's been so now, uh, a lot of people have played this character. yeah and so we've got um, what's his name uh, Jim I always call him Jim it's John Krasinski but I'll never John I call Krasinski. him Jim no matter what yeah so um, I, I'm and he he's a, a actually I just watched The Quiet Place um, and he's great yes in that movie like absolutely phenomenal. I I um, did not really take him seriously up until this point. Um, and that's his movie too. Like I mean, yeah, I know. I was I was blown away. Yeah. That he, you know, he directed it and and acted, and um, and his wife is in it. And and uh, they just it was a really really good movie. I thought it was thoughtful. My wife absolutely hated it. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's such a knee jerk reaction at the end of that. Yeah. Um, for my wife, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think he will be great, but I just, I'm just not interested in the character. I just have no interest in, uh, any of any of that. So I'm, I'm totally out. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I am not, I've seen the hunt for red October and Patriot games. And I don't know that I ever saw clear and present danger. And I, I did not see, um, I think I'm. There's another one. What was the one with uh, Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck was in it, right? Yeah, yeah I, don't I don't remember that one. And that one I haven't seen, and I haven't seen the one with Chris Pine. Was it Some of All Fear? There you go. One of those. Yeah, I am not a big like CIA political thriller guy. Like it's. I mean, I I'll enjoy a good movie every once in a while based on that, but that's not really my wheelhouse. Um, in general, the trailer that I saw for this show, I thought looked good. I you know I think he's good. I, it's not something that's going to jump out at me. I think what will happen with me is I'll wait. I'll see what the reaction is to it. It's an Amazon show, so I mean I could binge it if I need to. Um, it's just not something that is high on my list right now that I'm anxiously yeah. anticipating. Yeah, yeah, same. and mainly just for your same reason as you. It's not the most exciting reason, but it's the most honest reason, which is it's just not something that I'm super interested in. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Now, as far as this, the next part to that question, you know, what shows that have not come out yet are we most excited for streaming or otherwise? I think for me, and I guess it depends on what you consider a show that's been announced. So for me, it, 
it would be the the Star Trek show with with um, Patrick Stewart, like the the Jean Luc Picard show that's going to be on CBS All Access. Now, I guess technically it's not really announced. I mean, they announced that he's going to be doing it, but they haven't announced details of it yet. So if you count that one, that's got to be the one right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously a streaming show, and we've already spoken about that. Um, or the Star Wars Resistance show, which is also a streaming show. I mean, those are the two things that I'm that have been announced that I'm most excited about. I don't know. I mean, they're really they don't. These are being announced earlier than like you would normally announce like shows that are going to be on network television. So I guess that's why you're getting more hype for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know that there's anything that's in development right now as far as in fact i think even the show he mentions wheel of time i think that's an amazon show too that's going to be so if you notice there's a pattern here we've spoken a lot about streaming services in the last you know over these episodes here and that's where a lot of the hype and the buzz is coming from is a lot of these streaming shows the stuff that's coming out on net on television on cable or on the networks um that stuff you usually find out about like closer to when they're actually going to come and I think it takes a little time for you, for me anyway, to get super hyped about it. Yeah, I um, so one of those shows is um, is Iron Fist at the moment. In terms of things that I'm like stoked, stoked about that I cannot wait. It is, and I don't know if it's going to be a show or or just a flat out movie, uh, but it's that Dark Crystal. Rise of the Resistance or something like that. I, I'm actually not familiar with that. What? I yeah. What is that? I mean, I know what the Dark um, Crystal is, but what is? I haven't heard of. Yeah. So of. it's yeah. It's called Age of Resistance. I'm sorry. It is a um. It's a prequel to the Dark Crystal, um, with all the Skeksis and things like that, and how they manage to take control. Um. Uh, so it was announced last year, late last year, and so I'm I'm sort of stoked. There's a trailer out and all that stuff. You should totally check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that. I don't know when it's gonna come, um, and I'm also excited to about Daredevil, uh, which is on the horizon, specifically because of Vincent D'Onofrio. Right. But what um, about shows that are? Because, I mean, those are already shows that are on that just haven't, like, we're waiting for the next seasons. What about shows that, other than the Dark Crystal one, how about shows that haven't, they're announced as happening, but they are they haven't premiered yet? Hmm. I mean, the Star Wars thing, I would think, right? You got to be excited for oh, that. Oh, dude, I mean, yeah, that, that Resistance uh, show, they just did the trailer recently. There's that. Um, and now they and- announced, too, that, like, it's set, what, like a couple of months or something before The Force Awakens? The Force Awakens, So they're giving yeah. so you I'm a timeline to- now? Yeah, uh, so that and and obviously um, for the Disney streaming service, the uh, Clone Wars uh, returns. So we talked a little bit about that, but yeah, yeah I mean, there's a lot, there's lots of stuff that's going to be, you know, obviously going to be tent poles for uh, all of these new services. So um, just looking forward to consuming as much of that as possible. And and yeah, I think I it's think funny that. as I, I have the TV on here on mute as we're recording this and I'm staring right at it and the Jack Ryan commercial just came on and you know what it 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 looks pretty good I'm not gonna lie is it, it does, this is the one with him in a boat like, it, like, like rowing no it's a uh, it's like just you know a whole it's like a full on 
like TV spot. Yeah, so it's just like him doing different things, but it, it looks pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, it does. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I will check out great the, shape. Yeah, I mean, I might check out the first episode. I'll, I'll give it's you been, that. Uh, training with the Rock is is that true? Uh, he did he did a couple of videos with him. Oh, that works. That's yeah, pretty and, good and guy if, to work you know, out if with. you think about it, it kind of makes sense because so the Rock uh, or Dwayne Johnson travels with his Iron Jungle his gym his own personal gym of course he would why yeah yeah yeah. so anyone who follows him on instagram would know that uh but he's he's filming uh jungle cruise with emily blunt so uh it makes a lot of sense that uh, krasinski would pop up sure it's funny you say that because i I read uh, one time where uh he was up for the role of captain america yeah, you ever yeah, read yeah, that story? That. It's pretty funny, and he says that he actually was there, like trying on the costume, and Chris Evans walked by, and he took one look at Chris Evans and took the costume off, and was like, "Yeah, I'm not cut out for this." <laughs> yeah, man. And then look at look at where that is now. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, who knows? Um, he just seems to have a lovable face. I'm being honest, he's a likable uh, guy. I, you know, yeah, I mean, again, I'm a huge he, he, Office fan, both versions. It, I struggled to to, to kind of buy him as a badass. Course. Yeah, because he yeah, has I'm, this I like, yeah, I don't know, like in well, that's why 40, I say he's always Jim to me. Like in like 40 years after he's eaten too many cookies and things like that, he could be a perfect Santa Claus. Like he's got one of those faces, was like kind of like the thick nose and these like round little cheeks and his ears kind of stick out a little bit. Like he's got a cute face, you know what I'm saying? Like in, in prison, he'd be somebody's bitch. Like that's the kind of dude he is. So it's kind of hard for me. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I got to stop this. <laughs> Went off the rails. What is happening right now? <laughs> but seriously wow. though, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't buy it. But hey, man, good for you. <laughs> okay, maybe so I won't definitely. watch Jack Ryan now. Maybe I, I just <laughs> won't watch The Office ever again either. Oh Jesus, man! No, oh, no everyone's boy. gonna be like, dude, what are you talking about? And JBR is gonna jump down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, bro! All right, so maybe it's time for Ron Diesel's question, please. Yes. Uh, I was, he was, he says he was watching BVS over the weekend and he just realized something. There's no commentary for BVS and not even for the ultimate edition. Do you think BVS needed a commentary and what comic book movies past or present really need commentary? Hmm. Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a damn good question. Yes. Man. And, a, and I didn't realize that myself even, on either. So, so I'll be honest. I didn't really know that either. Um, I think part of that is because it just didn't care. Uh, and I'm like, I don't really care what Zack Snyder has to say about this movie. Like, dude, you don't know what you did. Uh, I do think it probably deserved the commentary. And I wonder, I wonder what version, um, Ron, you were watching. Uh, cause I almost feel like the commentary may be in the ultimate edition. Well, he says it wasn't on there. No. Okay. Hold yeah. on. I will. I will just confirm that because I do have it on my phone. Um, well, anyways, while, while while I do that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it it would have been fantastic if they had commentary on it. I mean, I I kind of understand why they wouldn't have. Uh, all things considered, you know, I think that uh, the polarizing response to the movie, I think, spooked them a little bit, or more than a little bit. And I guess that they figured that the, you know, the commentary wasn't something that they wanted to have because they were, I think, looking to sort of move on. Right. 
from the moment that that movie yeah. fit, you know, ended its box office run. And, and even with the Ultimate Edition, um, I also think it opens up the can of worms of having to discuss things like studio interference, you know, and trying to explain, well, why was this cut? And how come this was re-edited this way? And like, I don't know that those are conversations that, especially on the Ultimate Edition, that a studio would necessarily want to have. Because I don't know how you do commentary on the Ultimate Edition without being honest and trying to explain, like, well, why wasn't this the version <laughs> that yeah. was in theaters, you know? Yeah. And we know the yeah. answer as to why, but I don't think the studio wants to advertise that, you know? Yeah, agreed. Although it would have been interesting to hear um, why certain decisions were made or sort of where, you know, what, for example, why does the flash pop up? Why does he say what he says to Bruce? Um, or maybe Zack Zach Snyder's just not at the, you know, not it was didn't want to give us the liberty of hearing exactly what his thought process was because he was envisioning, you know, a uh, you know a series of movies or a, th- a, a, a trilogy or it may have even been more than that, but a, you know at least a trilogy. Well, no, it was like a th- I think it was a five part series of films that told a story and so you know by by kind of hinting or or talking about some of his decisions would have spoiled uh his his ultimate vision um right i mean that's the thing in the moment like we're thinking about it now right with every knowing everything that happened but in the moment they weren't you know he was still thinking that this was he this vision was going to be seen through to the end and you're right like if the whole reason why those scenes were done in those movies was because they were teases for something bigger and he wasn't gonna you know he wanted that to unfold you know he's not gonna reveal why all this happened uh because that's what justice league was supposed to be basically and uh obviously we know that that never happened so now like in hindsight yeah sure a you know, commentary track would be amazing. Uh, although I think Zack Snyder on his own has sort of done his own, basically, online anyway. He's done his own commentary track telling yeah, little things. Yeah. But again, that's all hindsight. Um, yeah, I don't know that we're ever going to... I'm positive we're never going to get that now. But um, sure, as a little time capsule thing, it would have been pretty awesome to have. But I, I could totally understand why it's not there. I mean, as for... What other comic book or superhero movies should have... Con- I uh, This is going to sound like a cop-out answer, and I apologize, but I, I think all of them should. I, I'm, I'm a fan of commentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think still to this day, the best comment... Well, I don't know the best, but one of the best commentary tracks that I've ever heard were the ones that they did on the Batman the Animated Series DVD set. Um, that you know Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski and a couple uh, of guys yeah, did. I rem- I I'm that. hoping that they carry those over on the the Blu-ray version that's coming out in a couple of months. But those are amazing. They give you insights as to like you know why they did all the things that they did and how they had to fight for certain things. And and mm. uh, they're just really those are great commentary tracks. So I think when done right, commentary tracks are amazing. So yeah, I think I would love if every movie had it. You know, and then just leave it up to the the fans to decide whether they want to listen to it or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of other, I mean, so there were films that are just now getting the commentary, right? So, you know, films like the Goonies, for example, right. Right. Um, that, that movie, um, 
had some interesting interesting commentary behind the scenes, which which is kind of fun to listen to. And I'm sure as movies are being released on in, in terms of digital format, you're, we're going to get that. So it'd be interesting. Um, you know, Halloween, for example, is going to be released in 4K yep. uh, soon. So that's a film that I would imagine did not have any commentary, right, before? Uh, I'd have to think back to whether they – there are like on a DVD or anything like that. Yeah, later on, but I've never listened to one. Let's put it. That yeah. Way. So, so, well, so then I would imagine it doesn't exist because you. Well, I might. It might. I, sometimes fan. I don't always check out the commentary tracks on stuff. Right? right, but I mean that would be a fun one. Uh, yeah. You know to 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 listen to. Um, I think I've but, just no, seen so many things about Halloween, like documentaries and everything, that it's like a commentary track would almost be like kind of redundant but yeah. yeah and and it's probably tough because you're asking you know john carpenter to kind of go back to 40 40 something well there's years. that too i mean him and dean country to have to go back and check and like you know what were you thinking here it's like well yeah. i was a kid <laughs> I, I was yeah working on a, like a three hundred thousand dollar budget I was, I was coked up most of the time man yeah. i don't remember yeah <laughs> um Nah, but no, I, I agree. I think I think a lot, a lot of films should have it, um, and I'll, and some of the most interesting ones like Logan, for example. That's a that's a great one to listen to. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think I think uh, that was a good that was a good question. Yeah. For sure. And I'm still trying to figure out if if there really is no commentary, but I, I believe you. I believe you, Ron. Not not that I don't. Well, I think if you have to look that hard, kinda, it sh- probably isn't sh- right. Well, uh, in my. I would think if there was, though, that would have been big news, right? Like, if, if there was a uh, commentary track on the Ultimate Edition? Because, I mean, think about the things that could have come out in that commentary. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. Um, that's, a, that's actually a really good point because there was a lot of stuff that was cut out of the theatrical cut um, that didn't really make sense. And if there were commentary, it would have been on the Ultimate Edition, the extended, you know, the extended version. And... Uh, Zack Snyder probably would have commented why he thought uh, it made a lot of sense to kill, to introduce and kill Jimmy Olsen in two minutes. So, stuff uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. So, last question from Superman fan number one. He says, Yo, recently revisited Eastwood's Unforgiven, and I truly miss Westerns. What's the crew's top five? I assume we're the crew. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest and say right out of the gate, I am not a big fan of Westerns. Um, Not that I dislike the genre. It's just I don't it's not my list is not going to be super impressive because I'm just not my grandfather was like the biggest fan of Westerns ever. And that's all he watched growing up. Like John Wayne stuff. And yeah, anything. He would watch anything. And uh and so as a kid, like I, I avoided them because I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's all that's on. Like, so uh, I never really was like a huge fan. But I mean, Unforgiven's a great one, obviously. Um, yeah. The acting in that alone is just insane. I mean, I don't know. Are you a Western guy? Uh, you know what? As I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't like Westerns, man. Why would he ask me this stupid or ask us this stupid question? And then I'm thinking about it. And I'm like. Actually, well, there are no I, stupid I, questions, Aaron. There's no, you're right, you're right. Um, but as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, actually, no, I am, I am a big fan of westerns and I've seen quite a lot. Yeah, I can probably rattle off five, no problem. That's not Tombstone, 
Tombstone's great, ex- great, great western. Yeah, that was going to be on my list. Yep. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Yep. Uh, so Tombstone. I'm a big fan of White Earp, um, which okay. which plays in the same timeline. But I'm, I, you know, I was at some point into the long, you know, three hour Co- Kevin Costner films. So you're a big Waterworld fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, Not so much. No, or oh. the Postman. Oh, the post that's right. Um, but uh, three ten to Yuma. That's an ex. That the the modern version, I assume. Yeah, that's a uh, great yeah, movie. Modern version. Yeah. Uh, so James Mangold on that front, uh, yep. for sure. Uh, Young Guns. I, you know, it's funny. I was going to mention Young, and I was like, I'll they'll probably crucify me if nah, I mention Young Guns. Nah, but man. I even like Young Guns too a lot. Yo, to be Young honest, Guns. With you. Christian Slater in Young Guns too is great. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, but but like Terrence Stamp is in the first one. That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like all you know, Kiefer Sutherland, yep, Lou Diamond Phillips, yep, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen. You know, they're all. Oh, it's know, every yeah. That's a really uh, the whole crew time the whole capsule. Crew yeah, of that era. Um, let me think. One, there's another one that was just at the tip of my tongue. And I totally forgot it. Damn. Oh, True Grit. I like the I like the um, talking about the newer one. I I don't mind the John Wayne one, um, but I do like the new one as well. I thought that was good with uh with Jeff Bridges. Right. Um, that was a that was a great movie. And what else does um so does Blazing Saddles count as a western? <laughs> yeah. Why not? All right. Not? Yeah. Um. Uh, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good one. Um. Trying to think if there's anything else that uh, sticks out to me. Oh, you know what? Um, I don't even know if this is really a western. Um, maybe not, but I do. But it's kind of set in that stage. It's called The Missing. It's The Missing with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. And uh, and I think Nicole Kidman. Um. And he's like, uh, he kind of like goes off and becomes some sort of like shaman, Indian shaman, something like that. And he's fighting some some dude in dark magic, some like stuff like that. I, I, I like that stuff. That does that count? I don't know if it does. I mean, there are it cowboy might. hats. There were cowboys. And, so that's that's all you need. Apparently, there's some boots. <laughs> um, no, and 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 of course, I mean, I know this is not. Uh, so it TV. wasn't. Uh, it was Tommy Lee Jones, Kate Blanchett, oh, Kate Evan Blanchett. Rachel Wood, Aaron Eckhart, Val Kilmer. That's pretty, a great movie. Pretty decent cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called yeah. The Missing, right? It's called the The Missing. Yeah, it's a uh, Ron Howard directed it. Actually. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. I know I'm I'm like underplaying it, but it it is really a good movie. Yeah, so I, I think I think that would that was more than five. Right. Um, and of course, I know it's not a movie, but Westworld. Damn, Westworld, so good. Well, no, Westworld. Well, I mean, there is a movie. I mean, it was a movie. Yeah, you know, I know it was a movie, and and it was a good. It was a decent movie. Yeah, it's um, more of a. I guess technically that's a. I guess it's sci-fi a, western or sci-fi. I don't know, but yeah, I guess it again. There's according to you, as long as there's cowboy hats and boots, it qualifies. There we go, and so. some sand and horses. <laughs> sand. Some gun slinging. Oh, you know what? I forgot. Uh, Magnificent Seven. The which a, one? The the new one? Uh, I'd say both of them. The, like Magnificent Seven, the new one was was okay. I didn't mind that I one. Mean, the original is a classic, right? So, yeah, yeah. But that's that's you know the original is is great. Yeah. Um, 
So th- you know, there's plenty. There's plenty. How do you feel about the uh, like the Clint Eastwood? Like, I mean, he's, this started off with Unforgiven, but like the actual, you know, the Clint Eastwood Western era. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and yeah, fine. all that stuff. No, not much. Not not really my thing. Okay. Yeah. So. All yeah. right. So that was that. Knocking so, the questions out. Yeah, we can get out of here yeah. now. Yeah. Um. Hey guys. Uh, before we before we leave, um, get your birthday cakes, light some candles, because Blade is twenty years old. Oh, that's right. Totally forgot about that one. Totally forgot about it, and it is. And I think I mentioned to you earlier before we recorded when you you actually mentioned that I was like, wow. It, and I don't mean this in a this is not a negative. It's going to sound negative. I was like, man, it seems a lot longer than twenty years ago. Yeah. And the reason is just because there is so much that has come out since. That it it seems like it was an eternity ago. Like to me, the Crow and Blade didn't come out that far apart, but they they did. Oh, they thought it was like what you know what I like mean? Five six years. Yeah. So like things. to me, they Crow were part of like it almost seems like they were because that was like a different generation of comic book yeah. movies coming out at the time. But yeah, yeah, Blade is uh Blade is a I think a, a almost unfortunately it, it gets forgotten about now. Blade is good. It's real oh, good, yeah. and I even like Blade Two, which is you know Guillermo del Toro's uh, entry. Yeah, um, I like Blade Two. Well, it's different, but it's it's really good. Blade Trinity, we don't discuss much. No, but, it was so bad. Yeah. Oh man, such a disappointment. Ugh. That's where David Goyer just went in for on. He went all in on his own. I, I, yeah, I mean. It's- yeah. I, think we, I think we talked about this a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean Triple H is in that. Yeah, that's uh, right. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is in yeah, that. that was, um, yeah. Jessica Biel is in that. But uh, yeah, no, I mean the original Blade. I uh, just watched it until probably about uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, it still holds uh, the test of time. It looks good. Um, it's uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant film um, directed by Stephen Norrington and. Um, and yeah, I think you know, as, I, as you and I were tweeting, I think it's like the first movie I remember seeing Bullet Time because it came out before The Matrix did, right? Because it came out in '98. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they do some really good stuff, and it's dark. And I will say, there is no better opening scene to a comic book movie than Blade, where you've got uh, what's her name, um, famous uh, porn star, who's who's in that movie like real quick. Uh, she's the she's the uh, like redheaded uh, vampire that lures that dude into the club. Anyways. Um, but that scene where, you know, they're all dancing and the blood's raining down on them and the dude's freaking out and they're all like vamping out, their teeth are showing. And then, you know, he, he falls in front of Blade's feet and he's just there and there's no blood near Blade. And he just proceeds to kick the crap out of everybody and turn them into ash. Hey, no one did Ash better than Blade. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was Ash before. Yeah, man. I mean, there's some really, really good stuff there. Um, what's his name? Donnell Logue. Uh, yes. Is in that. So yes, he is. Um, they do some really cool. I mean, the makeup effects, too. Um, and you know what? It's funny because and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but there's a character in there. I think it's a guy named Pearl. And he's like the keeper of all the archives and stuff like that. And for a moment, I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, man, at some point we're going to get a mojo from x-men i don't know if anyone knows Mo- mojo but if if you you don't i'm sorry you should check them out uh but yeah so uh 
some really cool stuff was done in that film. And um, anyways, just want to wish that a uh, very happy 20th birthday to Blade. I do remember seeing you in the movie theaters. And uh, and shout out to Wesley Snipes because, man, no one no one can play Blade better than him. Not even Sticky Fingers from Onyx. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one day when That's they – I'm sure when they reboot it, uh, at some point we're going to be able to sit and have a discussion of which version was better. Yeah, yeah. Although they did some really interesting stuff because they introduced Whistler. And it was D- David Goyer wrote all three of the films. Yes. But uh, he introduced Whistler in the movie and uh, and he was brought to life in uh, in comic book form uh, shortly thereafter. So um, some interesting stuff the way that that, that kind of transpires. But uh, I'd mentioned Chloe Sullivan in uh in superman lore but uh we all know what happened with alice and mac so yeah yeah that's uh anyways i digress uh okay let's do some plugs and let's get the hell up out of here yeah so you could find me on twitter at real seal mighty and you can find me as well on twitter at starting sith and of course the show is at the fanboy garage yes and uh, the website is thefanboygarage.com. Listen to the latest episode. Access the episode archive. Check out our merch store for all our cool merch. And, of course, shop on Amazon using our Amazon Associates link. All of those things help out the show. And, of course, you can uh, rate and review. Leave us those five-star reviews. That also is a huge help to us um, as we go along on this uh, journey. Yeah. And uh, guys, we're getting closer and closer to Comic-Con in New- or New York Comic-Con, as it's called, NYCC. Uh, NYCCC. Um, no, NYCC. And um, that, was, that was very difficult. I know. I don't I don't know why I wanted to call it New York City Comic-Con. But is that what it is? No, it's, it's just no, New York. No, it's Com- New York. Yeah. The, New York Comic-Con. One too many um, C's. Sorry. And... Um, you know, we'll have some fun stuff going on there. So, so certainly uh, be on the lookout for that. Hopefully, we'll have some more giveaways. If you're going to the show, um, you know, be sure to check us out. Um, we'll par- probably do a live segment from the show floor and or be giving away uh, some swag. So, um, stay tuned for that. Yes. So that's it. That's it. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, guys. Later's.